Now, it's interesting that this morning alone, there was a, if you just look at how the news comes across, and for those of you who get notifications on your phone, you'll know what I'm talking about. One killed, three critical in Cleveland car crash. That was this morning. Cleveland PD, two men found in cars shot multiple times, one dead. That's just this morning. That's Cleveland news. We're not even talking about going outside of the area. And uh, those are things that are very, um, you don't know why they're happening. We won't, I don't get into all the headlines as to why, but we're just saying that these things are happening right as we sit here in class, right as we speak. There's always something going on that can be usually very discouraging. News like this that comes across is what gets attention. My wife made the comment the other day that sometimes the news has to be softened a little bit with some sort of an animal story at the end. An animal story in the news. Just to make things softer. Because it's usually very hard news. Thousands of first century customers without power in Cuyahoga County. I got that message 20 minutes ago. So there's a lot of people right now that don't have power. It's cold outside. That's a real concern. So the news will sometimes come across with accidents, issues, and of course we know about terror attacks, all those things that have happened. So when we look at this, the question is being asked, can God really be just? Why is he allowing these things to happen? Now understand, this is your human response. We're all human beings. We all understand from a human perspective This is what's occurring. And we asked the question last week, what kind of things in our world make you question God's justice? And we went over a litany of things uh, that make you actually ask the question. And again, there's nothing wrong with asking the question. You understand that if you're actually asking these questions, that's a way of communicating with God? Do you think he would rather have you not ask questions? Do you think he would rather have you just sit quietly and stew about it? Sometimes. (laughs) Well, I'm going to challenge you on that and say, I think he always welcomes your communication. Now, how you communicate with him is something totally different. And what the communication is is about is different. But I would challenge you that God always wants us to ask questions. Because if you're asking questions, the premise is that you're trying to gain understanding over a situation when you don't have understanding. And we don't have understanding. We're trying to figure out why these things are occurring. We're trying to figure out what is exactly happening. We're trying to get our arms around certain things. You know, some things that have happened to us that have been very personal You've asked a lot of questions. Amen? You've asked a lot of questions. What is going on? How is this happening? Why do things seem to be so out of control? Why is there so much drama in my life? What is happening here? These are all questions that we have asked ourselves. And I love the idea of this whole thing about avoiding drama. Oh, boy. That's called self-preservation. And those are questions that we ask, but they make you question sometimes, is God even there? 
For ages, even God's most trusting children have wondered if God could be just. Let's go back as a reminder to Psalm 82.2. And for those of you who weren't here, then you, you would be seeing it for the first time. Psalm 82.2. Remember, here are examples in Scripture where people who are truly have a relationship with the Lord and are close to the Lord are still asking these very same questions. That's why I want you to understand there's nothing wrong with you asking the question. There's nothing wrong with you asking a question about what's happening. Psalm 82.2. What did David ask in Psalm 82.2? Well, he asked, quote, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Because sometimes that's exactly how we feel when we see something, for example, in the news, where somebody looks like they're getting away with something. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, the judges, though, are in, in a position of power and authority. And keep that thought in your mind about the wicked judges. We have to understand something that a lot of judges are appointed. Some might be elected. But we also know that we've got different types of judges, don't we? Yeah, yes. You, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Buzzy has been before judges that have been good judges and good, some judges who are not so good at all. I can think of one in Kent, Ohio that got, uh, eventually, I guess he retired. I can't remember how that worked out, but he was just awful judge. Awful judge. Didn't really care. And that's how he approached things. So what did Habakkuk ask in Habakkuk 1.13? Turn to Habakkuk 1.13. We have a unique perspective if we look at the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a prophet. He was actually having a conversation with God. And we deem Habakkuk to be righteous. But here he is asking this question in Habakkuk 1.13. It says, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing, both truths. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one is wick, who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself. All we want as a people are, is justice. We want justness. Justice, justness, and fairness. But we also know from an old adage, sometimes life isn't fair. We know that. We've heard it many times. But that doesn't change how we feel about it. Life isn't fair. Well, how come it's not fair? Because it's not. Things happen. 
Both men of faith asked God how long he would show partiality to the wicked and allow the wicked to remain and prevail over the righteous. They both echo our confusion as we worship a just God but still see apparent injustice remain. So now we go back as a refresher to the unjust judge in Luke 18, 2 through 5. And we ask you to imagine you're the widow in the story. How many of you have ever been before an unjust judge? Let's say, <laughs> um, Paul, Paul's hand shoots up uh, because of what he has to do, did as a, does as a living. That's what he did. But, pardon me? Okay. All right. If we didn't win, yes. <clears throat> if we don't come out on the winning side, right? <laughs> well, it's one thing, it's one thing when, you, when you win and you, you shouldn't have won. That's another thing when you think you're going to win and you wind up losing. So there's a different perspective involved there, isn't it? <clears throat> but let's look at this widow. And I'll read it real quick and we'll go further into the lesson because that's kind of where we left off last time. Verse 2 of Luke 18, there was a judge, and this, and this is a parable that Jesus is using to speak to people. And remember, we've made an emphasis on the reason for this parable. The parable of the persistent widow, there's a reason for it, and the reason that we need to remember as believers in Jesus Christ, the need for people to pray always, as it says in verse 1, and not give up. Can't emphasize that enough. Pray always and not give up. And sometimes it means praying for a long, long time and not giving up throughout that prayer time. And when I say a long time, I'm not talking about a couple of days. It can be years. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Prayed for me for seven years. Okay. And I believe that little girl prayed me in between. Okay. There you go. Yeah. That stuff comes back to remind you, doesn't it? When when you when you remember these things, you thought it was a matter of a joke. This person was doing all this prayer, and and let's face it, a lot of people think Christians are joke are jokers too. Because of the whole nature of praying to a deity, praying to something other than themselves. Remember, the world worships itself. People worship themselves. The idea of you praying to someone else, they say you're crazy or you're goofy. I mean, that's why Christians are largely derided today by people in the world. They think we're nuts because we're spending this time praying to something they can't see or imagine because they wouldn't have time to see or imagine it because they're being their own gods. Pray always and not give up. And I like to use the word never give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people... Yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. 
Now, let me tell you something. I don't care how the justice comes, even before an unjust judge. If that woman just kept praying and kept persisting because she was demanding justice, guess what? She's going to get justice. That's what you need to see here. Every time the judge looks at his docket, oh, man, there's that woman again. Can you imagine that? Just to get her out of the way. Because there's something about following what the law says. Now, understand something about this woman. And there's a little bit of background here. Um, Widows in first century Palestine knew what it felt like to be totally at risk of unjust treatment. It wasn't like today where a widow may have a pension, life insurance, or even a good job. Well, there's not many people that have that who were in that position. They were dependent on the good graces of male relatives and people in the community. It must have felt like a rather unjust lot in life to be a widow in those days. To add to the injustice, the judge who could grant justice ignored the widow in this story. The judge didn't care about the woman. Didn't care about her situation. Didn't care about her plight. You can try and use this analogy with even people today. You know, how well are we taking care of our widows, taking care of our people who don't have a husband? What's going on with them? There is some logic that we need to look at here when we apply it to today as well. Okay. So there's a small, small sidebar here. You look at this judge and how he was mistreating this woman, basically, coming before him all the time, and he wasn't granting justice until the woman just kept doing it so often that he said, okay, I'll do it. Boy, that would make me angry. That's me talking. There are instances of injustice that we have all experienced. The challenge that we have in these experiences is to not allow ourselves to become embittered to a place of being angry at life itself. That was the danger the widow faced. You can be rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and now become bitter because you are angry because you're not getting what you rightfully feel you should be getting. Anger sidelines and derails a lot of people. Remember what we were saying about the parable? Praying and not giving up? Guess what anger will make you do? Stop praying and give up. That's why we're making a point to make emphasis on this thing about anger. When we didn't receive justice in our old, younger days, when our younger days, back in the day, did you give up? I'm going to challenge you. A lot of people did. There are people I can think of in my mind right now, for whatever reason, they didn't get what they wanted when they were younger, and they stopped trying. And their lives are far from being good, good right now. Far from it. That's the price you pay by allowing this anger to get in the way of progress for yourself. What does Psalm 37, 8 say about anger, what anger will bring to your life? Turn to that real quick. Psalm 
Psalm 37, 8. It says, refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. Now, I mentioned the fact that you're going to get mad. You're going to get angry if somebody does something to mistreat you. Amen? Of course you are. Why wouldn't you? But there's one thing about anger where you have to say it has to stop. And you move on. You got to say, I'm ready to move on now. You're going to get angry. You're going to get upset. You're going to hate the fact that you were mistreated. But you cannot allow it to embitter you. That's so and so. And just keep talking about that person years after this stuff happened. People hold grudges all the time, but they don't realize they're really hurting themselves. That's what we need to see. That person done moved on. Scripture tells us to leave anger behind because it leads to evil. It just makes things worse. It makes things worse. Amen? Well, I got about three amens out of that. Amen. <laughs> A lot of bitter people in this room today. <clears throat> Embittered and bitter. I'm going to call all y'all Mr. and Mrs. Bitterman. What words describe the kind of life you would like to live? Does anger lead you to or away from those objectives? In other words, what, how, what kind of a life do you want to live? This is a question for you. What kind of a life, what's left of it for us? Some of us were just getting started. What kind of a life would you like to live? Peaceful. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Happy. Purposeful. Productive. Yeah, whatever that means, right? Being productive. That's really important, too. You want to feel like that purposeful life has production behind it of some sort. Okay. So what does anger do to those objectives? It destroys them. It wipes them out. You could have written those terms on a chalkboard, and anger is just an eraser that erases it. Yes. It makes focus. Yep. It takes our focus off of the objectives. It takes our focus off of compromise. It doesn't really want to compromise. Mm-hmm. It can also bring like a disbelief. Yes, exactly. I can't do it. You doubt that you can accomplish something. And that's because you've lost your focus. When I've seen, you've seen many instances, like if you're looking at a, a program on television of uh, like a, either a football or a baseball game, and you know an athlete's lost his focus, something happens where he either drops the ball or... He fumbles, something happens where he's running and he's not focused on scoring the touchdown, where sometimes they'll drop the ball ahead of the goal line. That's a loss of focus. They're not trained to do that. Yes. Yep. 
Yes. Absolutely. That is a tactic. Yep. And the point is, what was what the end result of all that? That person's not successful. He's not going to hit his goal. He's not going to achieve what he was set out to do. Go ahead. That's all right. You don't need to apologize. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Right. Okay. And sometimes that's all it takes. We will sometimes have faith that wavers and will even doubt, but all sometimes God asks us to do is just just do it. Absolutely. It absolutely is true. Amen. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's right. I think all of us pray that way. If we're being honest about that, we already have in our minds made up what the outcome is going to be sometimes, even while we're praying. We know we should pray, but we really are powerless beyond that. Because ultimately, God is the one who has to do the healing. We just have to trust, and, and the, the sidebar of that is that he could have chosen not to heal just as much as he chose to heal, which is something we've talked about in this class as well, too. Yep. <laughs> I see. That's interesting. Yep. 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 This is why we need to challenge ourselves to continue to talk to God and ask questions. Ask those questions. He already knows that you're going to doubt. Let's, let's start there. You're not catching him off guard. He already knows. He knows who you are. He knows who you are as a person. All he asks you to do is what? Be obedient. Trust in him. 
Well, that's not putting any effort on you whatsoever. You're giving it all to Him. When you start taking ownership of stuff, that's when you start to stumble. Did you have your hand up? I wanted to. You don't know. Who would know? Who's going to know? Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. The testimony ultimately is in the healing. Because who gets the praise for that healing? God does. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We don't really know how God is accomplishing his plan and purpose for everyone, even in the midst of someone dying of cancer. But that's exactly how we have to see it and understand it. Maybe not right away, but over time. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah, well, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Amen. That's true. That's right. Win-win. That's a very good perspective. It's something to keep in mind. Okay. So unless you wrote a list, and I, I don't know if you wrote anything down in your paper or not, maybe you did or didn't, but unless you wrote a list with things like bitter, discontent, full of illness, or resentful, I would think you said, no, anger will only lead me away. Let's be honest. Anger leads to outbursts of depression, bitterness, profanity, defensiveness, isolation. Don't think the Christians don't swear. Amen? Amen? Okay. All right. You may not be trained to do it, but sometimes you, you know what words they are. Ray, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I must have struck a nerve. Go ahead. <laughs> yep. 
Okay. 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 You're you're remaining humble, but you're injecting. You're basically setting yourself up not to. Okay, I understand completely what you're doing. Well, that's who we are. Do we do that? Are we being honest about what we're doing here? But God is bigger than all of that. See, that's what we have to come back and say. He's bigger than all of that. All he wants you to have is a mustard seed of faith, which ain't much. Which ain't much. Pardon me? The mustard seed is the size of a head of a pin. I think that analogy just gives you the idea of how big a mustard seed is and sometimes how big our faith really is. It ain't there. You got to use a microscope to find it. Go ahead. Sorry. Amen. Right. That's right. That's right. Yep. So we had room to go. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where we all are. I mean, he's speaking the words that we all, frankly, could speak all the time. Help my unbelief. Sometimes we have to understand that it's not always about the best outcome. What we're praying for. There may be gradients in there somewhere. Yes. It's just one of those types of classes today. That, that could very well be true. When I was going through my worst depression, God got me up every day. So in that, I was blessed, but I also knew that each day was a tough sled. So when you have that as a reality, you stop saying, I'm blessed. And the reality is, is that God keeps you even through your lowest moments. So we need to keep that in mind. There's still prayer going on. There's still a challenge to get through those days. So, depression, bitterness, profanity, defensiveness, isolation, rage, and other undesirable outcomes. I doubt any of these words were on your list. So does your anger really serve you? Does it change your situation? Does it enhance your relationship with God? 
and others. Anger pushes you away from God. That's what it does. Because you don't want to now... You, for those of us who are smart enough to know Scripture, we know what God's Word says about being angry and not sinning. But yet we want to ignore it. That's a push-off. That's blowing it off. Who does your anger really hurt? You? God? Others? Sometimes we assume that God can handle our anger so we can just let it go. We think it's fine to be rash with our mouths and be quick to utter careless words towards God. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 5.2. Now, can God deal with our anger? Yes. Of course he can. He knows you better than you know yourself. Amen? I mean, we can say that almost universally. (laughs) He knows who you are better than you know yourself. Even if you're in denial, he knows who you are. But that doesn't mean we need to live in such a way where we're basically acting like, you know, well, God, so so and so, whatever. I'm going to do what I want to do. Let's look what it says in Ecclesiastes 5.2. Do not be hasty to speak and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Now, the reason why this passage is here is because I think Mary alluded to it with her comments. She's approaching God with humility. It's a humble approach. I wouldn't have the guts to cuss out God. Amen? Now, come on. I mean, would you have that kind of guts to do that? Let your words be few. Be smart about it. Even if you are stark, raving, angry, be smart. Let your words be few. Don't be impulsive. Don't be hasty. You guys have heard the terms, haste makes waste. There's another, what's the term about if you're being impulsive too? There's, there's, well, there's many terms like that. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But those are the worst things you can do. What does the verse suggest as a reason to restrain my anger? God is in heaven and you are on earth. And you didn't create him. He created you. So he has the final say, no matter what you got to say. Back to the widow and the judge. How do you think you would have felt when the judge kept ignoring your pleas? There's a checkbox at the top. How do you think you would have felt? Be honest about it. Check all that apply. Angry, sad, neglected, hopeless, stupid, mistreated, disappointed, afraid, and the proverbial other where you can write in your own. You could check all of those boxes, and I don't even know what the other is, but you check it anyway. Because all of those things would apply to how you would feel if you were in the widow's position. You are being, you're going to court time after time after time, and today when you go to court, it costs money. Yes. 
Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's a good example. Yep. Eli is an interesting example, too, because Eli, uh, we could criticize because of neglect, not just in that woman's situation, but also with his, with his sons. He had family issues. Now, his are more specific. We don't know. We just know the judge just didn't believe in the Lord. We don't have a running history on what he did, but it was spoken. Even the judge spoke himself, said, I don't really follow the Lord. I don't really care what he thinks. I'm just going to go ahead and give the woman justice anyway. And there's more to that section in Luke 18. We'll get back to that as well, too. But Jesus clearly wasn't teaching about a human judge, but about God. Sometimes when our pain remains, we feel ignored by God, the only one who can help us. Very important point. When our pain remains and our emotions are engaged because of it, we can look to God and wonder how his just nature is showing up in what feels so unjust. Now keep in mind, we're here in this room today having a conversation about this, but when you were feeling your worst, how were you feeling? Angry. That's right. You're exactly right. Well, let's just say it in in terms that you were pissed. Okay? You're angry. You don't like when stuff is happening. So we're being honest about who we are as human beings, which is exactly what God wants you to do, by the way. It's when you're not being honest about who you are and where you stand, that's when you get into trouble. That's exactly what Gus was saying in that example. I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Well, that's just putting, putting off... The inevitable. You're going to crash and burn. And sometimes we do. Because we've seen it. You just crash and burn. Because you're not being honest and dealing with the real issues. And this comes back to, as a small sidebar, sometimes we have a very unhealthy relationship with God where we can't bring things to Him. Because we think He is going to think, I'm so insignificant, it's not worth the attention. It's not worth the time. Why would you bother with this? Well, God says to come to him with everything. Yes. Yes. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. You still may not understand completely, but you will be healed. Do you see that? Sometimes we want to get, we just need to have complete understanding. No, you really don't. You really don't need complete understanding. You don't need that. The healing you need. Yeah. Right. Right. Does he 
Right. Right. You're okay with the way things are. Right. Right. Yeah. Amen. We get Yeah. And and I'm glad you read the Proverbs three, five, and six, but you notice how she kept going? Sometimes we get stuck on three, five, and six and we don't continue reading because we're talking about understanding. Well you may not get understanding. Let the Lord guide you, but you don't know where you're going sometimes. I love an old line that Buckwheat used to give was it Buckwheat or Stymie? I don't remember. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm on my way. Well, that's the way we should be. We don't know where we're going. Do we really know? I mean, we don't know, but we're on our way we're, because the Lord is guiding us no matter what it is. I'm sorry, Debbie. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Yep. Yep. That's right. Amen. <laughs> yep. I know, that was two bells. We're going to stop here. Um, and just as a closeout here, too, every day is an adventure. I really believe that in the bottom of my heart. Every day is an adventure. So, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, it's going it, to, sometimes it changes, things happen. But we'll stop here and pick up. And understand that we're going to look at, once again, how this anger can affect our whole approach. We need to look at that as well, too, and then move back into the look at the widow once more. So let's close out in prayer. Thank you for your wonderful discussion today. Amen. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to sit and listen to you speak to us. We thank you how you move us to look at Scripture as reminders on how we can respond. It doesn't always mean that things are going to be wonderful and great in the midst of what's happening. But Lord, we know you have a greater purpose involved and we know that you also have the ability even in the midst of our uncertainty to calm our hearts, to calm our fears, to calm our areas where we just don't understand what's happening. Lord, help us to continue to grow in our faith. We'll start with that mustard seed and we'll grow with it more and more. Thank you for giving us the ability to remain humble. Thank you for helping us with our anger. Thank you for helping us through these situations. And Lord, we just give you the praise. We pray for the upcoming message and the speaker. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.